The Atlanta Braves offense explodes on Thursday, scoring 13 runs in an opening series win over the Rockies. The Atlanta Braves offense has been clicking for a while now. I'm going to give you some staggering statistics on just how good they've been lately and set you up for the rest of this Rocky series over the weekend. All of that on today's episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Check out my bio there to see where I am covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves in written form over at tomahawktake.com. I'll be covering a lot of the NCAA tournament regionals this weekend if you're into that. I love this time of year for college baseball, so hopefully you do as well. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube. And if you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and hit that like button as well. It helps out the show a ton. And thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and are free and available on all platforms. On today's episode, going to be talking about the big 13 to 6 win on Thursday over the Colorado Rockies and the offense explosion there. But I also want to give you some really big numbers on what the Braves offense has done over the last 11 games now since the lineup was shaken up a bit. So we'll get into that and then I'll also set you up for the rest of this series against the Rockies. But let's start with the game on Thursday. The Atlanta Braves offense scores 13 runs on 18 hits, just an, an absolutely uh, just great performance from the offense up and down the lineup. Six doubles, one triple, two home runs. So nine of their 18 hits were for extra bases. Nine hits with runners in scoring positions. They had 19 chances, so plenty of opportunities. But there have been weeks this year where the Braves didn't get nine hits with runners in scoring positions. So great to see that trend developing. And hopefully those numbers evening out a little bit, as they typically do over the course of a season. I mentioned up and down the lineup, everybody in the starting lineup had at least one hit. Six players in the lineup had double-digit hits. Every starter except Olsen scored a run. Every starter except Ozuna and Albies had an RBI. So again, up and down the lineup, everybody getting the job done. And that's what that's what we'd like to see from this offense when they are clicking. You know, we talked about it when they've been slumping lately. It's because everybody was slumping at the same time. Ozuna, Riley, Olsen, you know, all the key guys in the middle of the order slumping at the same time. Now we're starting them all to see them all heat up at the same time as well. And it's going to lead to games like this. And I get it. There may be a little bit of a, a Coors effect in this one. I think it's probably more so to do with the quality of, of pitching from the Rockies. I mean, they're one of the worst pitching staffs in all of baseball, ranked 29th in ERA. So I think it probably more so had to do with the pitching. The Braves hit the ball really hard on Thursday. I mean, these were not cheap hits that they were getting. Nine 
balls hit 101.4 miles per hour or harder in total. They had 16 hard hit balls. So 16 balls hit 95 miles per hour or harder. So uh, again, it, it's not necessarily a Coors effect. I don't think, I think it's a quality of pitching from the, the Rockies and just back. The Braves were tearing the cover off the baseball in this one and more add on runs late. It's something, you know, that I've been keying in a lot on this year is the Braves inability to add on runs late in games, especially when they have a lead. They scored four in the fifth, three in the sixth and one in the seventh to put the game away. You know, you go back on Wednesday, they scored three in the seventh, one in in the ninth to help extend their lead there and put that game away, something they weren't able to do on Tuesday in that heartbreaking loss. They didn't score in the 7th, 8th, or ninth, despite having runners on the corner with nobody out in that 8th inning. So that's something key that I continue to watch with the Braves. What are they doing in the last three innings of a game? Are they putting teams away? Are they able to make comebacks against teams if they're down by a run or two? You know, something that the Braves really excelled at during this division title streak that they have going on and something they've really struggled with at the beginning of this season. So they've done that in these last two games, been able to extend that lead, which has allowed Snicker to save some of his best bullpen arms and make for a stress-free ending to a game, which I know as fans, we certainly appreciate as well. So the offense on Thursday, outstanding. Again, playing in cores, Rockies don't have a great pitching staff, kind of expected, but you look at what this offense has done over their last 11 games since the lineup change on April 23rd. And this offense has really started to click in jail together and become the offense we thought they could be. Over that stretch, they have double-digit hits in seven of their last 11 games. That, that is a very good percentage there. They've scored 49 runs over that stretch. That's an average of 5.4 runs per game, so nearly Five or sorry, five and a half runs per game. Uh, that's that's a pretty good average as well when you're scoring five and a half runs per game. They've scored six runs or more in seven of those games. They've gone six and one in those games. The only loss coming this past Tuesday in that game against the Diamondbacks. So six runs or more in seven of their last eleven games. Again, the offense is really clicking. I mentioned the add-on runs, what they're doing late in games. They scored 15 runs in the seventh inning or later. One of those was in the 10th inning, but we're going to count it here. That's an average of 1.4 runs per game in the seventh inning or later. In the 41 games prior to that stretch, they were averaging 1.05 runs per game. So they're almost half a run better in the late game situations. Maybe doesn't seem like much but it is an improvement and something that we hopefully see continue for the braves again competition has helped some we talked about you know the beginning this stretch of 29 games against teams under 500 they're almost halfway through that stretch but still it's good to see the braves offense being able to go to work against you know mediocre or average pitching they weren't doing that earlier in the year and yes if you look at the good pitchers they faced over this stretch whether it be zach gallon zach wheeler uh, sandy alcantara aaron nola you know those are the guys that they have lost to they're zero and four against those four starters so 
yeah, they're struggling against really good starters. Most offenses will. But to be able to take advantage when you're not facing a team's ace and to get the offense to put up big numbers, that's what you're looking for over a course of 162. That's what's going to allow you to win a lot of games is when your offense doesn't slump against the mediocre middle of the rotation, bottom of the rotation starters. And that's where the Braves really have an advantage because they have a deep rotation, especially with Strider now in the fifth spot. So if you can go to work against another team's, you know, three, four, fifth starters, while you have a very deep rotation and what should be a very good bullpen, and I believe will be, that's the Braves' advantage. And so it's good to see the offense starting to go after some of those middle of the rotation, bottom of the rotation pitchers, which is what they've done over this last 11-game stretch. And the lineup just seems so deep right now. You know, I mentioned this to, to lead off the postcast, which if you haven't checked that out over at Locked On Sports Atlanta or on the Locked On Braves, uh, podcast feed make sure you go back and listen to that with me and grant mccauley but i mentioned there i'm excited to watch this offense now and i i couldn't say that for you know the last month or so coming to watch this offense it just seemed like there were so many bad at bats and so many guaranteed outs in this lineup but i'm excited every day to come watch this lineup now with acuna at the top michael harris at the bottom dansby the way that he's swinging olsen riley heating up you know, it's so fun to watch these guys. This is the offense we thought we were going to see. So they've really picked it up and just put that in in perspective a little bit. Riley has a 10-16 OPS in his last 14 games. Dansby has a 9-36 OPS in that stretch. Travis Darnoa and William Contreras have combined for an OPS over 1,000 over the last two weeks. A lot of that coming from William, but Darno doing his part as well as we saw on Thursday. Olsen with an 836 OPS, Acuna 858, Ozuna 779, and Albies 726. So, look, everybody's starting to click and gel at the right time. Again, some of that having to do with the competition they're facing, but still, I will take it. It's a great sign. It's the offense we thought we were going to get earlier in the year. It was basically everybody, a couple of guys with an OPS over 800, uh, Riley, Olsen early on until they started slumping, and then everybody else had an OPS under 600. So good to see that turning around. Good to see everybody clicking at the same time. Again, it's been a lot of fun to watch this offense over the last week and a half, and hopefully that continues over this stretch where they have some games coming up that they really could take advantage and score some big runs. So hopefully that continues but i want to dive deeper into some of the performances from thursday including the braves catcher who had a huge night for the braves in the win with spring in the air it's a time of renewal and growth personally and professionally as your small business grows linkedin jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free create a free job post in minutes on linkedin jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. 
It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. And did you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. The Atlanta Braves catching situation this year has been really good, and that might be an understatement. Obviously, they lost Manny Pena earlier in the year, expected to be a huge part of the catching tandem with Travis Darno, but that opened up the door for William Contreras, and he has burst through that door and has been absolutely hot since getting his opportunity, leading to a lot of people messaging me, asking me, should William Contreras be the primary catcher over Travis Darno? And I tried to pump the brakes on that a little bit and try to explain to you that Travis Darno has been a very good catcher for a while now when healthy. And even this year, earlier in the year particularly, he was really huge for the Braves and one of their more consistent hitters. So I'm all for Travis Darno getting being the primary catching catcher. I do believe they need to find more ways to get William Contreras bat in the lineup, especially while he is so hot. But Travis Darno showed on Thursday why he still should be in there as the primary catcher. Three hits, three runs, six runs batted in, two home runs, including a grand slam. Just a massive night for Travis Darno. And like I said, they both need to play, but Travis Darno still needs to be the primary catcher, in my opinion. He has been really good offensively all year for the Braves hit 305 in April when again a lot of players were slumping for the Braves even got moved to the three hole for a minute uh, as he was really hot cooled off a bit in May but he has six hits in his last three games 12 hits in his last 11 games including three home runs and three doubles and look over his career a 250 hitter 731 OPS may not seem like much but for a catcher who can give you 15 to 20 home runs a year. I mean, again, he's been a proven solid uh, offensive catcher, and he really does a great job calling games, blocking pitchers. He's made strides this year in throwing out base runners. He actually has thrown out a couple of base runners, which is a huge improvement. You want this guy behind the plate for the Braves. Look, it's a great situation to have with him and William William Contreras. And I, I wrote about it on Tomahawk Take. The other day, I think William Contreras has made strides defensively to where he per perhaps could be the future catcher for the Braves. But Travis Darno is that guy right now. Pitchers are very com comfortable and confident throwing to him. And again, he does a great job calling games, blocking pitches, and his career tells you that he is a very you know average to above average hitter for a catcher and has some pop as well as we saw on Thursday. The other thing is he doesn't walk a ton, but he does a great job of putting the ball in play. Several times this year, I've seen him just kind of throw the ball, the bat at the ball on a pitch away and, and drop it into right field for a hit. So, you know, a really smart hitter, really great hitter at putting the ball in play. And he's going to have nights like he had on Thursday every now, now and then where he can just put, put the team on his back and, and drive in six runs, hit a home run or two. And you'll take that out of your catcher position for sure. So, again, a great situation the Braves have right now with Travis Darno and William Contreras. Again, 
I think Travis Darno still needs to be the primary catcher. And I think you got to find ways to put William Contreras in the lineup more often. So hopefully we do see that going forward. Made it a little difficult with Ronald Acuna Jr. right now needing to take up that DH spot. Um, you know, if it weren't for that, then I think you put William Contreras in that DH spot on most nights. But Ronald still just not fully healthy right now, red, not ready to play in the outfield every single day. So that's hurting Contreras' ability to be in the lineup more often. Austin Riley, absolutely destroying baseballs right now. And really over the stretch that I, I mentioned in the first segment, over the last 11 games. But on Thursday, he struck out his first two times and you know just didn't look great, especially the first time. He had a runner in scoring position, two outs, uh, and you know struck out looking there. But then his next three at-bats, he hits absolute bullets for hits, 103.4 miles per hour, 106.8 miles per hour, and 110 miles per hour on the average or on the exit velocity for the three hits he had on Thursday. And bear with me a second, but I'm going to go through some of the top exit velocities for Austin Riley over this 11-game stretch where he has a hit of 100 miles per hour in all 11 of these games. So going back to that Monday game, April 23rd, he had hit or he had balls in play of 113.6 miles per hour and 112.6 miles per hour, both of those coming off of Zach Wheeler, by the way. Following day, 98.3 miles per hour and 109.2 miles per hour. And then that Wednesday, 112.4 and 112 miles per hour. The next day, 103.4 miles per hour. Last Friday, 113.6 miles per hour. And then 107 mile per hour single on Saturday. On Sunday, 103.9 mile per hour pop-up and 109.8 mile per hour home run. And then on Monday, 105.9 mile per hour homer and 106.5 mile per hour line out. On Tuesday, 98.5 mile per hour line out, 108.3 mile per hour sinker, and 109.6 mile per hour single as well. So two, two singles there. I think I said single uh, sinker, but um, and then on Wednesday, 101.4 miles per hour and 111.9 miles per hour on his two hits from Wednesday. And then I mentioned the hits on Thursday the exit velocities on those. He's in the 97th percentile in average exit velocity and max exit velocity and hard hit percentage. He's also in the 95th percentile in barrel percentage. So he is absolutely destroying baseballs, not just, not just getting hits, which he has 19 hits in his last 11 games, but scorching the baseball and hitting them extremely hard and it is a lot of fun to watch I, I listened to some games on radio especially early on when you know doing some work around the house putting the kids together whatever and it's fun to hear the crack of the bat on some of these balls that Austin Riley is hitting and it's just really fun to watch when he's locked in like this and just squaring everything up I know he had that little slump bad stretch that he went through at the end of April early May he seems to be coming out of that and again, just destroying baseballs. A lot of fun to watch. Also on Thursday, Michael Harris had three hits, a couple of infield singles, showing off that speed. His his first hit, a ball up the middle. They originally ruled an error, but again, I talked about this on the postcast. Just the threat of his speed. Brendan Rodgers knew he had to hurry that throw and threw it away. I was glad they went back and changed that to a hit in an RBI for Michael Harris. Two balls hit 100 miles per hour or harder. 
on Thursday, including a double. So great to see that from Michael Harris, whose bat seems to start uh, to be coming around. Been great defensively, made a great running catch in the outfield as well. So that's been there the whole time. Now we're starting to see the bat come around a little bit. Ronald Acuna Jr., back at the DH spot, kind of mentioned it already. You know, just not – still not there where they feel comfortable putting him in the outfield every day. And I had noticed, and I think I even mentioned this on Wednesday's podcast, the fact that Ronald wasn't giving that burst of speed on, you know, a lot of balls, like particularly ground balls on the infield that we're used to, to seeing, just didn't seem to be going full speed all the time. And now we kind of have confirmation on why. Uh, the training staff told him to pick his spots, essentially, when he turns it on. Um, and that's hard to do, and, and that's tough. Uh, especially for Ronald, a guy who's going you know, full speed all the time. That is his game. You don't want to take that spirit, that energy, and that fun away from him. But I understand why the training staff may be telling him to dial it back a little bit. And again, maybe picking those spots when he really gives that burst of energy. Uh, so I just wanted to note that. That was interesting that they noticed that they said on the, the broadcast on Thursday is that the training staff did tell him to try to pick his spots when he really ramps up the speed. And then there was some pitching on Thursday as well. Maybe not much of it in a 13-6 game, but I actually thought Ian Anderson threw the ball well. I know he gave up five earned over six innings, but tied his career high with nine strikeouts, 12 swings and misses on the changeup. That changeup was absolutely filthy on Thursday. Again, five runs on 10 hits. He gave up three in the fifth inning. You had a ball that, look, it would have been a tough play for any left fielder, but I think an average left fielder probably gets that ball. I mean, Ozuna almost caught it, so you have to figure somebody who's at least average out there probably catches that ball. Then you get a bloop, and then you get a blast from C.J. Crone that, you know, the 35-degree launch angle, even at 102 miles per hour, we've seen that type of ball not leave this year, but maybe that was a little bit of Coors field effect. You know, it just got over the wall there for that two-run homer. Again, he gave up three runs in the fifth, but Came back out, got through the sixth inning. That was huge. Saved the bullpen. So I thought this was a really solid outing from Ian Anderson. Just one walk, which is big for him. Walks have been a problem. And if you, you're walking three or four batters and you're giving up you know, nine or ten hits, then that becomes a, a big problem. But that was not the case for Ian on Thursday. I thought he threw the ball really well. However, you look at his last three starts now, 13 runs. In those last three, three starts, again, a lot of those coming later in outings when he's going through the lineup for a third time, which we mentioned has been a problem for him. You look at his seven starts prior to that, he only given up 15 earned runs. So in a bit of a bad stretch right now of giving up, you know, four earned, four earned, five earned over his last three starts. Again, I'm not worried about him, especially the outing Thursday. I, I thought he threw the ball really well. But the offense was a story. On Thursday, they've been the story for the last 11 games now, and it's really been fun to see. And we will see if that will continue over the weekend in Colorado as we preview that series next. We've been asking and Built Delivered. Built Granola Bars are here. Built Granola Bars come in three unbelievable flavors, chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. And if you want to try all three flavors, you can get a mixed box at Built.com. Right now, these are so different from the bars and puffs. Built granola bars are loaded with granola. It's the perfect combination of crunch and chewiness, but just like bars and puffs, these babies are packed with protein and covered in 100% real chocolate, 
with 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, and only four grams of sugar. Built Granola Bars will change your world. Built has cracked the code to better granola. They're the perfect healthy snack to pack in your lunch, take on the road, or eat as a snack. And they are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. So you've been waiting for a healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market. This is your time. Go to Built.com to get the Built Granola Bars now. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. The Braves took game one of a four-game series in Colorado on Thursday. Got three more set up for the weekend. On Friday, it'll be Max Freed versus Chad Cool for the Rockies. The Braves looking for their first three-game win streak of the year. Um, and what better starter to have on the mound than Max Freed? You know, he's really had to battle it lately. I know he only gave up one earned in his last start against the Marlins, but walked three batters. He's walked at least two in four straight innings now. Again, not terrible for most starters, but I think that just goes to show that Max has kind of been fighting and battling his command over his last few outings. I'm looking for a clean, strong outing for Max in this one. You know, six, seven innings. Hopefully the Braves go to work on the Rockies pitching. But Chad Cool has been good at times this year for the Rockies. Has a really good slider, which is a pitch that can give Braves hitters fits at times. Uh, they are locked in right now, so hopefully they're laying off that slider. But it is a really good pitch for Chad Cool. He is a primary sinker slider pitcher. So could be a tough matchup, but hopefully the Braves offense can continue to get going. On Saturday, Spencer Strider makes his second start of the year. He'll go, he'll go up against Kyle Freeland. Rockies don't strike out a ton, even though I know they did on Thursday, but overall in the season, they haven't struck out a ton. So that'd be an interesting matchup for Strider. He's obviously a big strikeout pitcher. Defense let him down in his first start, looking for a better outing this time around, just overall, you know, with the defense. Hopefully, we'll have Acuna back in the outfield along with Harris and Duvall and left so hopefully he'll have a little bit better defense play behind him you know five strong innings even if he gives up three earns or less i think you'll take that in coors field so that's what i'm looking for for strider on saturday and then kyle freeland good curveball uh, this is his best pitch has not been very good at home this year a 6.25 era at home compared to a 3.00 era on the road so hopefully that continues for freeland and then on Sunday, Charlie Morton versus to be determined. Don't know who's going for the Rockies yet. I'm getting a little worried about Morton. I thought he'd kind of come out of it, you know, at the end of April, beginning of May. But his last three or four starts, honestly, just have not looked great. Yeah, he continues to, to battle with that curveball that hasn't been as effective for him this year. Um, so, you know, Coors isn't a great place when you're still trying to figure things out on the mound. So a little worried about Charlie in that one but hopefully uh you know you know it's there and you know the stuff is there so hopefully he is able to figure it out and have a good game on sunday and hopefully the braves can pick up a sweep they need a series win at the very least so winning two of these next three is huge for the braves to get a four game series win and again hopefully the offensive explosion continues talked about that in the first segment how great this offense has been lately a good opportunity to continue that in cores against a rockies pitching staff that is 29th in the league in ERA. So want to see the offense continue to stay hot, put up some big numbers and not have to stress out the Braves pitching in the back end 
of these games. So that's what I'm looking for over the weekend. Again, hopefully we get a four-game sweep from the Braves, but at the very least, I'll take a series win. That will do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On underscore Braves. You can follow me at Shortstop Ball. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Hope you all have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 